Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. If you were hanging out with us earlier this week, you heard the incredible episode with Elizabeth Koston all about the endeavors that Impact Engine is doing to champion the conversation around impact investing. Doubling down on the finance talk, we have a really unique guest with us today. Nicole Chavas is not only spearheading the world of impact investing, having made three angel investments through Impact Engine, she is also creating her own impact company. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm very curious how you even came across this term, impact investing, because it's fairly new to this space. Yeah, it is new, and it was new to me um, when I came across it in sometime in the early 2010-2011 time period. I was coming out of the financial crisis. My background's all in finance, and I was feeling a little bit, a little bit jaded by the world of finance and wanting to see if I could find a little bit more purpose in my work. And that's when I discovered impact investing and realized there was actually a world out there where you could combine finance with impact, and that was really exciting to me. What's also very interesting and what Elizabeth brought up earlier this week is we have two separate lenses that we look at our money through, philanthropy and then actual investing. I believe that you kind of discovered that in your first role as well. That's correct. So I was working at the time for a company that manages money for foundations and endowments. And I thought, this is great. My clients are mission focused. I'm going to feel really good about the work that we're doing. But I quickly realized that their investment office and their philanthropic grant making office are completely different departments that do not talk with each other. And so the idea of the investment office was just to make money so that the philanthropic office could make grants. And I found it strange that these two worlds weren't thinking in terms of mission uh, from both the investment side and the philanthropic side. And when you see an environmental organization that has investments in oil fields, you kind of start to wonder, is there a better way that we can you know, bring these two worlds together that still meet everyone's goals? Man, not even different ways of thinking, completely separate offices and departments. How do Absolutely. you, yeah. How do you even bridge that conversation between the two? It's tough. It was real tough um, early on. I, I found people are just very much stuck in their ways. But when you get a few really progressive foundations that start to make that realization and start being very public about how they're going to make a change, then I think the word starts to spread. And over the four years that I worked with those foundations and endowments, there was just a, a huge sea change in the way people were thinking about it. And it's, it's still early days, but the idea of impact investing is very much on the radar now in a way it wasn't a few years ago, and that's very exciting. Can you tell us about the actual implications of impact investing and what leverage that creates for an organization where you funnel your money there? Yeah, you know, it's if you think about you know, a foundation's goal is to create impact in the world. And when they're only thinking about half of their capital, in fact, much less than half, uh, foundations only need to put 5% of their endowment to work every year. And so that leaves 95% of their capital not being put towards impact. And so if they can activate 
all of their capital, the amount of impact they could have on the world could just be astronomical if they could just think a little bit broader about how they're using their money, both both for philanthropic and for investment purposes. Only 5% of the capital for a foundation has to be put, put basically towards good? That's right. Those are the IRS requirements. Ouch. I, I, that's mind-blowing to me. So with a foundation, how much money are we actually talking about? It just depends. Um, you know, they ha- foundations have an endowment that's meant to last them forever. So that, that's why they have this 5% payout that says, okay, every year, if you have a, let's say, a $200 million endowment, the idea is you invest that in a way that it's going to last forever. And so that's why every year they spend 5% of it on their grant-making purposes. But that's still not thinking big enough, in my opinion, in how they can use that rest of that capital to continue to keep that found, or that foundation's endowment you know, alive and well, but also you know, spread the, the, the impact of their work outside of just that 5%. What's really exciting about you is you're not only championing this conversation, you're actually practicing what you preach, having made three angel investments through Impact Engine. Can you tell us about the thought process behind that and also the due diligence you went through in the process? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a foundation with $200 million. Um, I'm, a, I'm one person. But when I started getting really interested in this idea of impact inv- investing, that's when I learned about Impact Engine and realized there was a way that I, as an individual, could play a part in the impact investing space. And Impact Engine was relatively new and really exciting. And I went to their second demo day just to get a sense of what was out there to try to understand what kind of companies there were that were making this type of impact. And I just immediately fell in love with a couple of the companies and their entrepreneurs. And um, they were just hitting impact areas that really hit upon my personal passion areas while also providing a business model that actually was scalable and potentially profitable. And I, I knew I had to learn more. Can you tell us about the areas that these companies are working in? Yeah, so I'm particularly interested with urban poverty issues, criminal justice, um, urban revitalization. And so the the two companies I invested in in that round, one of them was focused on criminal justice reform and education in the jail system. And the other one was focused on food waste by bridging the gap between restaurants and grocery stores that have excess food and nonprofits that need food for their clients. It's incredible that you touched on both of those because Elizabeth earlier this week actually dove into how sustainable their model is and how creative they are thinking in that space. That's great. Yeah, those those two jumped out to me immediately and the work that they've done since has been incredible and just continues to validate that I made the right decision every day. So going into that validation, from the ROI and actual finance perspective, how have you found that to be and are they type are they producing the type of returns or how does this even work? Yeah, you know, angel investing happens so early that you can look at numbers chances are the financials you look at today, the projections are going to be completely different tomorrow. And they're always going to be iterating, changing their business model with the market, with the new things that they learn. So when I went into the decision to invest, it was less about what I thought a specific return or ROI would be and was more focused on, do I think this is a huge market that is untapped? And do I think this entrepreneur is the person to try to address it and meet this need? in a profitable, sustainable way. And, and in both cases, the answer to that, those questions was, yes, this is the company, this is the, 
the person and this is the market that's that's ready for their solution. Obviously, investing comes with risk. So can you tell us a little bit about the risk if this company doesn't do well? Yeah, angel investing is very risky and you have to go into it with the assumption that you could never get your money back. And so when you think about the capital that you have to put towards this sort of uh, this sort of investment, you have to know I may never see it again. And, and I'm okay with that. But I'm actually even more okay with that in this case because I know that the money is going towards making an impact. So, for example, with the food waste company, I know how many meals were rescued from ending up in the trash and going to nonprofits in part because of the investment I made. And so if for some reason I don't get my money back, I can at least feel good that that money went to something important as opposed to just being a complete loss. Now let's touch on the reverse. What kind of potential is there to actually make on your money? Yeah, these are companies that are in really interesting, unique spaces. There's certainly potential for growth that they could be bought out some point by a bigger company that's looking to get into these niche spaces. And, you know, there's certainly potential for many multiples of a return on my investment as a result if that happens. That's certainly the end goal is that at some point these companies grow to the point that they can be acquired. Now, I'm really new to angel investing. So say you make a 10,000 investment into a company and later down the road it's bought out. Can you break that down to what a potential ROI could look like? Yeah, I would say, you know, maybe a typical ROI – the way we think in angel investing is in, is in terms of multiples on your investment. So 2x, 3x, 4x, 100x, which is, you know, that's a, that, those are uber level types of numbers. But I think for me, if I were to able to get four times my return on my money, that would be a huge slam dunk as a new angel investor in a new space, um, also getting the added bonus of the impact. Incredible. Now, as I mentioned in our introduction, you really understand both sides of the space, not only from the angel investment side, but also from starting an impact company. Can you tell us what your company is? Yeah, absolutely. My company is called Fresh Coast Capital. We started it in mid-2014, and what we do is invest in vacant, highly distressed real estate in urban areas, particularly in the Midwest and the Rust Belt, so cities like Detroit. Youngstown, Ohio, Flint, Michigan have lost a lot of population. They've seen a lot of their industries leave, and they've been left with vast amounts of vacant, blighted, contaminated properties. However, we see those properties which bring down the value of neighborhoods, bring down, you know, just the the neighborhood, um, just the joy of people who live in those neighborhoods and have environmental consequences. We actually see those as as a huge opportunity to redevelop thousands of acres of vacant and blighted properties into working landscapes, which are things like tree farms, flower farms, all sorts of green infrastructure projects that can help clean up soil, clean up air quality, manage stormwater, and then just lift up the lives of the people who live in these neighborhoods. What a compelling mission for your company. That's phenomenal. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, we're really, really excited about the work that we're doing in these cities. I'm a business junkie, so my first question is, where's the business model in that? Right, so it's an investment uh, approach. So what we do is we put together real estate investment deals where we'll aggregate uh, an amount of acreage in a city, so let's say Detroit, uh, put together 50 acres, 
plant trees, plant flowers, and we'll take investment from impact investors or other investors who are just interested in the model that we have to fund those projects. And then we earn a return for those investors through the harvesting of those crops over time. Very creative. Now, you guys are currently in the angel investment fund where you guys are seeking capital. How important is that for the growth of your company? It's very important. We are a new company, and angel investors tend to be the ones who are first to put money in the door. They're willing to take risks. They have personal passion for the companies that they're investing in, and they tend to provide a lot of value add. They are people who maybe understand the space, have connections to share, have advice that they can offer. And so they're exactly the people you want to go to when you're in the early stages of fundraising. As far as growth goes, can you describe once angel investors started coming in, how your company's grown? So we have a pipeline of at least a dozen cities who are interested in having us come in and put projects in the ground on their vacant property. And what we need are the resources to be able to execute on that pipeline. And so angel investment coming in now provides us with the capital so we can hire a head of farm operations and hire a community engagement associate that can help us really scale quickly with the projects that we want to put in place. So for us, the issue isn't that we are having trouble finding business, is that we have the business and we just need the resources to be able to execute. And so it's the, the perfect way for angel investment to immediately help catalyze our work um, as quickly as possible. And as you mentioned earlier, not only are they investing in a viable business model, but they're also creating a positive impact in the world. Exactly. We can measure very quickly on our projects the impact through metrics like number of acres revitalized, stormwater captured, carbon sequestered, um, dollars invested into the community by hiring local contractors, those sorts of things that really speak immediately to the type of impact that our projects can have. What a unique gift to be able to get from your actual investments. It's so unusual in the finance space to be able to have returns not only in dollar amounts, but actual impact in the community. So being involved full circle, both investing on the front end and then having this capital to build your company, what do you imagine that the role, what do you imagine that the future of impact investing looks like? In the future, I envision that impact investing will just be investing, that people will always think about what the impact of their investments are in general. And it may be that the impact's negative on the environment, on society. It may be that it's neutral and it may be that it's positive. And people will sort of price out those different impacts and make those investments accordingly. That's the dream that I have as far as impact investing goes. Definitely a dream we can all get behind. So for people that are looking to get into impact investing or have never even heard this term, what's one tip that you have for them today to enter into that space? So if you are an accredited investor, which means you have the the capital to be Uh, able to invest in these high-risk investments, there are a lot of impact accelerators like Impact Engine that are popping up all over the country and that are helping new angel investors understand the landscape. However, there's a lot of really exciting stuff going on with crowd investing, which allows anybody to be able to invest. So states like Michigan and Missouri have new laws in the books that say that if you are a company in the state of Michigan that primarily serves Michigan people, employs people in Michigan, that you can actually get investments from anybody. So you may be able to start investing in your own neighborhood and companies that you really care about, regardless of whether you're an accredited investor or not. And that's really exciting, I think, for all investing, but especially for impact investing. 
Incredible. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today and really helping break down this kind of new term impact investing and driving home how we can use it today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, you guys, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely going to have to sit down with my financial advisor and re-explore the ways that my portfolio can help not only bring financial ROIs, but also create a positive impact in the world, driving forward the efforts of those social change organizations. You don't have to do a lot today, but just being mindful about the opportunities and starting to find ways to implement those into your investments, well, right there, that's a positive impact. So if you're looking for all of the notes today's and information about not only the work that Nicole's doing with her own social enterprise, but also Impact Engine and all of the different programs that they are spearheading with Impact Investing and Angel Investing, head on over to our show notes page at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash episode 5.5. And the conversation doesn't have to stop there either. If you're looking for a little bit of positivity every single day, join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash positive impact community. We're throwing down really inspiring stories every single day, and we'd love to have you join the conversation. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.